Now, am I right in saying you wrote that? That's one of yours? Praise God. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Kids, you can now be dismissed. Be part of that group that's running up there for Children's Church. Welcome. Welcome to Bethany. My name's Tom. So glad you're here. We want to make this the best hour and change that you spend during your week. And uh, so glad you're here. Please open your Bibles to Genesis 2. And I need you to put your thumb or maybe a bulletin in Ephesians 5. Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5. If you don't have a bulletin, a generous check to the church for the new baptistry, that'll work to save your place just fine. So, uh, Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5. While you're doing that, we're talking about manning up, the difference between men and women, God's call to men. I'll share a story with you. A woman, uh, a wife, calls her husband. She's on vacation in Europe. And she's getting ready to come home. She calls, talks to her husband, says, how's my cat? Husband replies, he's dead. She goes, no, no, Bob. Not only is the cat dead, but now you ruined the rest of my vacation. See, when I, when I call you and I ask how the cat is, you've got to kind of ease me into it. That's how women think. Okay, so when I call and I ask you, you, you say maybe the cat's on the roof. Right? And then when I get to Paris, you say, well, the cat fell down and is a little woozy. When I get to London, you brought the cat to the vet. And then maybe when I get home, you say, well, the cat passed away. Bob says, okay, okay, I'll try to do better next time. So the conversation goes on and she says, how's my mom? And Bob says, um, uh, she's on the roof. So... In this, uh, in this conversation, as we talk about man up last week, we're going to, we're going to talk about the differences between men and women. And last week, we talked about God creating men as warriors. We have any warriors in the house today? Okay, that was lukewarm at best, guys. Then we, then we, then we talked about the fact that, that, that our women can be warrior princesses. We have any warrior princesses? Okay, that was a little more enthusiastic. But, listen, this week we're going to talk about, last week, one of the points in being a warrior, if you remember, is if the man does not find the right cause to fight for, he will find the wrong cause to fight against. And so we talked about some of those wrong causes and some of those right causes. And and today we're going to particularly talk about the fight for our wives, for their hearts, for their souls, for who they are. That being that fight. And some guys may say, well, I didn't know I was supposed to fight for my wife. I, I, I got the part down where I fight with my wife. If that's you, that's you. We've got some stuff to talk about. Some of the ladies have already come up to me. They say, well, this is a series on man. Man up. What does this have to do with me? Good question. How men live and do life and do faith and do family and do church affects all of us. Because maybe you're a woman. Then you're a daughter of a man. Maybe you married a man. Maybe one day you hope to have a man. Maybe you have a man now and wish you didn't. Maybe you're raising a man. So if men know what God has created them to be, called them to be, it's going to go better for all of us. 
And regardless of the topic, whenever we look at Scripture, we're committed in this church to preaching Jesus Christ in the Scripture. So regardless of what the text is, it points us to Christ. It points us to the Gospel. It points us to hope. It points us to the cross. And knowing Him better, that is eternal life. So hang with us. We're going to talk a little bit about how women fit fit into this because we need your help. We need your help in this calling. So, let's start and let's pray. God, I need your help. I need your help to pull this off because this is, this is hard and it is countercultural. But Lord, we want your truth. And Lord, I just ask that you move me out of the way. Lord, that we would, we would hear from your word. We would hear from you. That our lives would be changed as we respond to your spirit, as we respond to your word. Lord, we want to be the men you've called us to be. And that can only happen through you. Open our eyes, open our hearts. Open our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. We're we're calling men. God is calling men. You win the men, you win the war. And for so long, churches have been really good at attracting Women and their children. And, and, the, and the American church is showing signs of the fact that we don't have manly, godly men. We have males, but not in enough number. And we have guys, but we're, and I'm included in this, we're not sure what God is calling us to be. And, and somehow, somehow, the gentler side of, of feeling and, and, and emoting, you know, we, we've kind of feminized the gospel. And, and Jesus is calling men to be the other side. Not to not get in touch with all of the love part, but the righteousness and the honor and the fact that he said, since the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men take hold of it. There is a war to fight in the truest sense. And there is a battle to be won for his kingdom. And men, we need to step up and and it's exciting. How many of you guys are here in construction? You're some kind of the construction industry, repair, erecting something, fixing something. I know there's more of you. Yeah, yeah. Different kinds. Yeah, okay. That's good. That is biblical in, in a sense, and you're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna see how God not only calls us to be warriors, but He calls us to be cultivators. He calls us to be builders. And we're gonna take a look at that. And in, in my study, Matt Chandler unpacks these biblical truths in such an awesome, enlightening way. I'm gonna be sharing some of his teachings with you this morning. We're talking about when a man loves a woman. In the marriage relationship, and there's plenty for you single guys, too. If you're single, there's plenty for you out there, too. Because for us to biblically lay out what God wants a man to be, is going to help us. It's going to help us all. So let's get started at the very beginning. Genesis 2. We're in the creation. Creation story. We're going to get started at verse 18. But before, before we do, let's set up what has happened <clears throat> up until now. God has created the, hot, the entire world. He has created the world to be wild and untamed and rugged. Here we have this globe, right? And God has created it as wild and as untamed and rugged. And in the middle of that, He has put the Garden of Eden. Okay? Which is 
landscaped and beautiful and manicured and great. And he has put the man in the middle of this garden. Okay? And he's basically told the man this. Okay? You see, everything out there is wild and untamed and rugged. And you're here in the garden. Make the rest of that like this. Go be a builder. Go be the cultivator. Go subdue the earth. Okay? So he has said this. And then what happens? He has wired the man. He's wired the man to be a cultivator. To be the builder. To be, and, and so all of you guys who have already found that calling in your, in your vocation, that's great. That's great. But we need to all find that too. And we'll see, we'll see how that impacts everything. Now, before we go forward, before we hit the text of verse 18, it's important for us to realize that men and women are different. Let's just get out there as a foundational truth. Men and women are different. This is not a question of equality. The Bible is very clear that in God's image, He made them both, male and female. Equality is not the issue. The question of roles is the issue. Okay, when we think about roles, particularly man and woman, in the context of marriage, we get all crazy because we think two ways. Sometimes we think about the 1950s, the leave it to beaver, the uh, father knows best, make room for daddy. If you're older, you know these things. Where we had, we had an image of the American family. Okay? As it was, we thought it was supposed to be. This was not a biblical image. Because in large part, the man became detached. It was, it was the woman's job to be with the kids, to do everything. She was like the CEO of the house, and he would come in and, 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 and be so absorbed in other things, and, and we know it didn't work. And it's not clearly what the Bible says. And so what do we do? From that extreme, we react to it. And now we have a bunch of people who want to enter into a marriage relationship without any roles. Everything will be equal. We, you'll do this amount of housework. I'll do this amount of housework. You'll earn this amount of money. I'll earn this amount of money. We'll do this. We'll do that. No roles. Everything is equal. And that's not biblical either. And what we're going for is God's word to us. So we don't want either one of those extremes. We've got to find the middle. Men and women were created differently. He wired us differently. You don't have to be James Dobson. You don't have to be a genius. You don't even have to be particularly bright to know this. You just either have to have kids or have seen a kid before. Right? How many of you have been a child? Good. Do you remember much of it? Did you ever? In my house, I grew up with three sisters. Okay, when my parents wanted some peace and quiet and didn't want to spend any money, what did they do? They sent us to the basement to build forts out of blankets and sheets. You did that? Anybody do that? Okay, here's how it goes. In general terms, general terms. I know there are exceptions. There are girls who are tomboys. There are boys who like to try on their sister's ballet clothes. Okay, in general, we have other, other weeks. We'll cover that. In generally speaking, here's how it will go down. The guys, and I know because I have cousins, so they come over, we had like three and three. The guys would do this. What were they excited about? Building this fort bigger. Bigger. Whatever sheets and blankets your parents went down there wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. You started stripping beds. You're going to the linen closet. You had towels. You took your grandmother's lace 
tablecloth off the dining room table because you were we were building wings. We're standing there going, if we could just take down this wall, then we'd have something. Because, you know, even as boys, we were wired. Go big or what? Go home, baby. Build it. And the girls are into this in general terms for a little while, right? Until the main structure is up with the broomstick or whatever, the couch, whatever you got as your main your main structure. Then what do they want to do? They go inside. They go inside. And then they, Adrena, you know this, then they start hauling stuff inside. Pillows, dolls, cups, crackers, posters, whatever it is, they're decorating. Right? Not only that, but they have divided it into rooms. And anyone who wants to come into the fort must first have a tour. This is where we sleep. And this is where we eat. And this is where... I No, right? And then the guys get bored with that. And what do they do? They tear down the fort. Why? So they can build it again. Men and women, boys and girls, they're different. It only takes a pile of rocks. You have a pile of rocks. You put a little boy there. You say... Go do something. He's going to do one of two things. He's either going to throw this rock at somebody's head, maybe his own, or he's going to throw it through something breakable. In general terms, here's what the woman's going to do. She's going to organize these rocks by color and size, or she will take two of the rocks and make them friends. And they'll talk to one another. You think I'm kidding? Sheree and I first got married. I had a book bookcase. I was a theater major. I had a ton of scripts and books. And they were all by author and theme and genre. And I knew where everything was. And I went out to rehearsal one night and I came back. And she said, look, I redid your bookcase. And I looked at it and it looked interesting. She had organized all the books by color and height. I knew where nothing was. But to her, that made sense. God bless her. God bless her. Men and women are different. We need, to, we need to be at home with that. My boy, when he visits, he wants to take me out on the practice field at the college. He wants to run his blocking drills and tell me where to stand. But it's always where he wants to hit somebody. And that's a great afternoon for him. That's affection for him. My girl does not want me to do that to her. She wants to fall asleep on the couch as I tickle her arm at night. Then she wants to get up in the morning before she goes to school and change her clothes nine times, only two times less than her mother, and come down and have me say she looks beautiful each and every time. That's what she wants. This roleless marriage, it's not what we're looking at. God has called the men to build throughout the Bible. Build the ark. Build the temple. Build up the walls. Build up the kingdom. Be the builders. Be the builders. Be the builders. Not on the whole, God has called us to do that. And because of the fall, I'm going to jump to chapter 3 of uh, Genesis. It's going to be hard, man. It's going to be hard even when we cultivate and build the right things. Because after the fall, after they eat of the forbidden fruit, 
Adam and Eve. He, God curses the serpent. He curses the woman. He curses the man. And then he goes on. After he curses the man, it says this. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife and eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. Painful toil. Life is going to be hard. Our life is going to be hard. But He's made us strong. And He's made us to seek His power. And He says, you will cultivate it. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. And even when you cultivate the right things, even as you cultivate the right things, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. Even when you're doing the right thing, even when you're doing the right thing at work, even when you're doing the right thing at home, even when you're doing the right thing in your marriage, it is going to be hard. Ignore a message that talks about the easy path. Jesus, if I just love you, my, my life will turn out and everything will be easy. What a lie. Well, that works until things get hard. And here He promises us that if things did get hard, you know what would happen? We'd completely forget about Him. It's by His grace even that things are hard. That things are too hard for us. Even in all our giftedness. Even in all our strength. They're too hard for us. And we need Him. That's part of the Gospel. He said, but in your relationship, even as you're trying to do the right things with your children, even as you're trying to do the right things, cultivating your wife, things will be hard. And at times, they will war against you. They will grow thistles and thorns where you wanted flowers and fruit, righteousness and holiness and peace. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And that's why it's important that men, we get together and we encourage one another. We do that Thursday mornings. We do that here. We do that um, through various small groups. I encourage you to do it. Okay, here we are. Second chapter of Genesis. And, and so here, God creates the Garden of Eden, tells the man, basically, make the rest of the world look like this. We're picking up at verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, this is before the fall. Before the fall, creation is still great. Creation is still perfect. And he says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, I just want to take a little time out here, guys, because some of you are single. And so we got some single women here. And there's some bad stuff. In this, this is my opinion. This is not the Word of God. But take it for what it's worth. There's a bunch of Christian dating books out there. And, and they got some good stuff in them. But... Some of them are telling you that it's not good to the desire to be married. It's not good to desire to be married. And that once you become content in the state where you are, and this is a good thing to be content, that God will bring you a wife, that God will bring you a husband. And it doesn't pan out. It doesn't pan out because you're lying. You're walking around lying. You're designed to be married, going, I'm content, I'm content, I'm content. Where is she? I need this woman in my life. I need this man. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. God has wired you for great 
marriage. And just because you came from a family where you didn't see it, just because you may have, have suffered because of, of, of poor love relationships, doesn't mean that it's not part of God's good plan. The Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. And so we proof text different things. We take Paul. We say Paul wasn't married. And here that and, and Jesus wasn't married. Jesus is married. Jesus is married. And we'll look at this. Jesus is married to the church. And, 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 and it is okay if God is providing a wife for you. You say, well, when that comes along. And you take this passive approach. If you said that about your dinner, you would go starving. It is a good thing. Proverbs. Proverbs tells us this. I just want you to get this. 18.22. He who finds a wife finds what? is good and receives favor from the Lord. It is a good thing. And we need to do it the way he calls us to do it. Okay? I don't want you to go out and get married this afternoon. But don't look at it as something scary and bad. God meant it as something blessing and good because it is not good for man to be alone. He said, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. He says this is not complete. Now the Lord God in verse 19 had formed the ground out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them before the man. He brought them before Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam himself, no suitable helper was found. God made all these things and he brought them before Adam and he said, for this man to be the cultivator, to be the builder that I designed him to be, that I want him to be, that I've wired him to be, he needs something else. He needs something else. He needs help getting there. And so God creates every animal, every animal imaginable, every living creature. And he comes before him. And he has complete dominion. Adam has complete dominion over these. But nothing, nothing in all that God has created is suitable for him to help him become the creator, become the cultivator, become the builder that God has created him to be. So watch this. We go on. Verse 21. Take a look at what happens. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up in place with his flesh Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, now, those of you who are following along in your Bibles, you'll notice there's like a a return, a paragraph, and, and then it's inset. You see the break in your text? Do you know why that is? Because Adam starts singing. He starts singing all the time, all the time. He's... Okay, you watch movie musicals. You ever watch movie musicals? And all of a sudden, people are in conversation. And then the guy, oh, you know, he just breaks into song. That's what's happening here. God brought all the animals, all the animals in front of Adam. Hey, that dog, good. Cow, good. Giraffe, good. Naked woman. He's singing, baby. He is singing. Look at verse 23. This is his song. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Here's a good thing. 
Do you realize in the Hebrew, basically the word woman means mine. Basically. Okay? So, so here he is. Cow. Yeah. Dog. Yeah. Giraffe. Yeah. He's unaffected by all of this. Naked woman. Mine. That's what that is. That's mine. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. And this, is, this isn't meant to be crude. It's in the Bible. It's true. He's wired us that way. For this reason, verse 24 says, for this reason, a man will leave his father. Check out these three steps. He will leave his father and mother. He will move out. He will be united to his wife. He will get married. And they will become one flesh. They will unite in every way, sexually, and then they will make babies. Okay, three steps. Three steps. And we wonder why things aren't working out so good. When we, when we say marriage is a good thing. Because we've taken God's step one, two, and three, and we reverse them. We turn them on their head. It's now three, two, one. We reverse God's order, and we wonder why it's not working out so good. We sleep with somebody we like. Then we get married. Then we don't have a job, so we move in with my parents and live in the basement and make forts out of sheets and blankets. And we wonder why it's not working according to God's order. So when we, when we say marriage is good, when we say all of these things, God has given us the blueprint. God has given us the blueprint. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. They will become one flesh. And a man, here's verse 25. This is basically as good as it's gotten from the man's perspective. Ever. Ever. Verse 25 completes the chapter. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Basically, many men have been trying to get back to verse 25 all their lives throughout history. To be somewhere beautiful with their wives, no clothes, and fruit, and it's great. Okay? This is not something to be ashamed of. This is how God created it. The man and wife were together in all holiness and purity, and it was a good thing. It was a very good thing. It is not good in the wrong order. And from that point on, God says, come back to me. Let's, let's just dial back in here. The man needs help becoming the cultivator. The man needs help being the builder that I created in the bee. He needs the woman. He creates the woman to help the man become all that God created to be, the family to be all that God created it to be. And now He's calling men to be the builders and the cultivators of the kingdom and the wives to be in there. The women are to help. And, and that's what we see. So here's the question. Here's the question we're going to explore. The difference between all that God had created, all of the natural things that God had created, the plants and the animals, and he, and he, you know, the dog, the cow, the giraffe, and all of those things, is that, is that Adam had dominion over these things. Which means, when he said to the cow, you're a cow, the cow did not have the right to say, I ain't no cow. I ain't going to be a cow. You better pick something else. No. He had dominion over the cow. He just went off and, and beat a cow. And that's the way it's been. But here, he has created a woman. He has created his equal. He has created his complement, his helper. And she can now talk back. And some of you husbands, you know this better than, than some of the others. We now have relationship 
We have a new level of relationship, not just between God and man, between husband and wife. We have this relationship that is coming up. So how do we do this relationship? That is the key question. How do we do husbanding? How do we do relating to our wives? How do we do family? How do we do all this? What is the the model that has been set out? What is that? And that's what we're going to take a look at. How does this relationship work? We've got a text I want to share with you in Ephesians 5. I'm going to start at verse 22. And and we'll read it through and then we'll come back. We'll talk about some things. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now, stop there. Wildly unpopular idea. Wildly unpopular idea. But it's in the Word of God, so we've got to figure out what this means, what He originally intended, and how we live that out, okay? We'll get into it. I will also share with you why every time that the marriage relationship is addressed in Scripture, the woman is addressed first. Do you see that? Okay, we'll get into that when we get into the Proverbs. Reading on, verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Wildly unpopular. 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it. And and, and the RSV says, nurtures and cherishes. And we'll get into that word. Just as Christ does the church. Now, there are a couple of curveballs here. There are a couple of curveballs here. The submit is a huge part of that. The submit is a huge part of that. But men, God has laid on on you a mantle of being a builder and a cultivator, not just in your family, but of your family, not just in society or in your work, but of your wife, building her up and and cultivating her in in, in beautiful ways and a strong and mighty and, and awesomely heavy mantle he has placed on the man and and. And there's a mantle that's placed on the woman. And if we knew what it was and we did what it says, only in the power of God can we do this. We would see families. We would see churches. We would see neighborhoods. We would see countries restored. We sang, ask and I will give the nations to you, O Lord. What are we crying out to him? It's not real estate. It's hearts. It's a kingdom of hearts. And it's got to begin in the church. It's got to begin in the family. And it's got to begin in the woman and the man together. We're going to get into why Scripture addresses women first. We're going to get into how the man is to do this relationship. And we're going to do it all next week. I've kept you long enough. We intended to get through the Ephesians passage. There's so much here. In the meantime, no. That God has wired you men 
wired you to be a cultivator, to be a builder. The things that we understand about business, the things that we understand about fitness, the things that we understand about recreation, where we play a sport twice and we think we're a pro and we go spend 10 grand on equipment. The things that we understand in those categories of our lives, we need to know and apply in the power of God's Word and His Spirit in our relationships with our wives, in our relationships with our kids. And God will create and build that which is awesome, which He only can create. But even when we're cultivating the right things, it will be hard. It will be hard. And sometimes when we plant seeds for beautiful oak trees and fruit trees and wonderful things, thorns and thistles will come up. We need each other. We need the women in our lives. And we need the Lord. But He never calls us to anything He doesn't also equip us for. Stay on this journey. We're going to take another week of Man Up. We're going to talk about the specifics of how this works out. In the meantime, Pray about Ephesians 5. Pray about Genesis 2 and 3. And we'll dig in and we'll go there. And we'll, we'll see some of the keys that God has laid out to make that happen. Let's pray. The worship team would come up. Lord, the mantle that you have placed on us as men to be cultivators, to be builders. Lord, it is awesome. And we want to take it seriously. But the more that we look at it, the more we get down to it in our lives. It's bigger than we are. To fight the fight for our wives, for our families, for our communities, for our church, for your glory and your kingdom. Lord, I know what's in me. And it ain't that. And I invite my brothers who know what God is beginning to call them to and know that in and of themselves, there is no hope for that. And so, Lord, that is the gospel. That you died on the cross. That you rose again to be enough for us. And, Lord, we ask you in in a special way to come invade. Invade our hearts and take over. We surrender it all to you. We want to be the men you've called us to be. We want to be the families, the couples, the church, and the kingdom you've called us to be. But we can only do it through you, so we repent of everything that's not of you. We ask you to come and fill and guide and lead. We love you, Lord. We want to be your men. We hear the battle cry. We want to stand up and say, yes, I'll fight for her even if she's not yet my wife. I'll fight for your kingdom. I'll fight for purity and holiness. I'll fight for your glory. In Jesus' name.